What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So today, as per usual, I have to cover quite a few things. First and foremost, I just have to let all you motherfuckers know, like, I think it was like Mother's Day night. I fucked my foot up hella bad, and I was like, okay, I'll just like stay off of it for a week, blah, blah, blah. It'll get better. Well, it didn't get better. So now I'm just kind of like laid up on bed rest for a few more weeks with a really fucked up foot. It sucks. But, and right now, like, I'm actually kind of surprised I'm even recording this right now. Like, my regular recording equipment is kind of MIA right now. And I literally just had to, like, skeletonize parts and put shit together from, like, when I first started this shit. I don't know if you guys know this, but when I first started this podcast, I had, like, a fucking $12 recorder and maybe a $12 microphone. And I just said, fuck it and went for it. And you can tell because I had no fucking clue what we were doing, like, editing-wise, recording-wise, but it was fun, and I met some cool people. So, we gotta get to some stuff that's going on with the fucking Fauci motherfucker. He's a fucking liar. And Rand Paul was, like, kind of my hero. I say kind of because he's a politician. How many, you know, (laughs) he's a politician, so I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, we gotta cover a lot of shit, so sit back and get ready for this. Okay, so I kind of covered this on Instagram when it was all happening, but back December 15th, 16th, I did a couple episodes where I got hell of good information from Mercola.com. It's run by a doctor, Dr. Joseph Mercola, and from the beginning, he has kind of like presented all of this stuff that the CDC and the WHO, the differing, uh, directives and mandates given out by the fucking powers it be just kind of pointing out how none of them make sense and he's actually been threatened you know with them removing his medical license just a bunch of bullshit but months ago back in December I had a podcast on the 15th and 16th where I got information from Mercola.com about the NIH funding the Wuhan Viral Institute with gain-of-function research. Now, what fucking lunatic is like, I'm not only going to fuck with a virus, but I'm going to make it specifically, specifically dangerous to humans. And then I'm going to share it with China. What the fuck? Who who is supposed to be controlling this motherfucker? Who is sleeping on the job? Fire that motherfucker. Rain these goddamn scientists and shit. It's like Rand Paul said to Fauci. You're fooling with Mother Nature. It's 100%. It's a fucking, like, the main theme of every doomsday story in, like, human fucking recent history. And it's just happening. And for a year, the mainstream media pretended like this could never be a possible lab escape. There could never be American involvement. It's a conspiracy theory. Our government didn't bother investigating it. I found these fucking documents. Okay, so go check out his site, Mercola.com. You'll find hella different fucking investigations into the vaccine. And he just kind of like tells it as it is. I don't understand why people think like he's going to fucking manipulate data because he's got like a dog in the game. That's not even it. It's fucking common sense. And it's what hundreds, thousands of other doctors and researchers are saying. But now, fucking months, months later, the government and the mainstream media are gonna fucking finally consider that this shit escaped from a lab and that Fauci 
while heading the NIH funded these motherfuckers. It's just like, it's mind blowing. It's like, if this was in a book, you wouldn't even believe it because you'd be like, no, these, this is just too fucking stupid. Nobody's that dumb. Well, yes, they are. This is how the world ends. <laughs> but anyway, if you want like all the details, obviously go back to December 15th and 16th where I'm trying to explain where all these connections are happening. I know I sound insane, but if you actually listen to what I'm saying and look it up, there's fucking documentation on the internet and it's been there the whole time. How the NIH funded Echo Health Alliance and how Echo Health Alliance then funded the gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Viral Institute. So, I don't know, we're just now gonna like get a major committee on the origins of the fucking quote-unquote pandemic that's brought everybody to their knees for some reason for the fucking flu. Anyway, all this time, I don't even want to bitch all this time, but I'm going to bitch. Fuck that. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) bitch all this time. I've been trying to like tell people about this and they think I'm crazy. And then I can see in their eyes, they think I'm crazy. So I'm just like, okay, you can only do so much. You can only lead a horse to water. So what was always kind of amazing to me was that everybody found it so like hard to believe such a far fetched idea that some type of like weaponized virus, fucked up virus, fucked up bacteria could escape from a lab. I don't know why. And as a matter of fact, I'm about to tell you just about some of the stuff. It was, uh, took no effort, least amount of effort to dig these lab escapes up. Anybody could do this if they actually wanted to like dig into the subject and see how big of a possibility it is that this coronavirus escaped from a lab. So let me just tell you with like five minutes of research what I was able to find. In 2014, six glass vials of smallpox virus were accidentally found in a storeroom in the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's lab at the National Institute of Health. This was the second time in one month these fucking people had just like, I don't know, slept on the job, not had coffee that day, just basically left potentially deadly infectious agents around for anyone to find and get exposed to. One month before that discovery, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention realized as many as 84 and possibly 86 of its scientists had been exposed to live anthrax. (sighs) I, okay, I'm going to keep going on. It's so fucking depressing. In 2015, the Pentagon realized the Dugway Proving Ground Laboratory had been sending in completely inactivated anthrax, meaning it was still live, it could infect people, to 200 laboratories around the world for the past 12 years. How the fuck is that even happening? According to a Government Accountability Office report issued August 2016, Incompletely inactivated anthrax was sent out on at least 21 occasions between 2003 and 2015. So that shit just went on for 12 years and nobody noticed. In 2017, the BSL-4 lab on Galveston Island was hit by a massive storm and severe flooding, which raised questions about what might happen where some of the pathogens kept there not able to get out. Then, as recently as 2019, the BSL-4 lab in Fort Detrick was temporarily shut down after several protocol violations were noted. Between October 2014 and December 2017, a moratorium on dangerous gain-of-function experiments was in effect in the U.S. 
The moratorium was initially issued after a rash of high-profile lab mishaps at the CDC and extremely controversial flu experiments in which these crazy motherfucking scientists are trying to get bird flu viruses engineered to become even more lethal and contagious between ferrets, which then could even easier jump to humans. Human and ferret medicine are a lot more intertwined than people know about. Basically, they, they wanted to see if they could mutate this shit and make it more lethal, make it more contagious between humans, causing future pandemics. So check out Francis Boyle. He drafted the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989. The West Africa Ebola pandemic likely originated out of a BSL-4 facility in Sierra Leone. He believes they were testing live Ebola vaccine, thereby causing the outbreak. He has hell of incidents like this listed throughout the world. So if you're interested in knowing what's going on outside of the U.S., if it's that bad in the U.S., imagine how bad it is in other places. And we never really hear about it. Or maybe the mainstream media just doesn't connect this outbreak of Ebola with a testing of a live vaccine. All kinds of fucked up shit is going on. It's there for anybody that wants to see it. But I just don't think most people want to see it. I don't think I blame them half the time. <laughs> So like I said at the beginning of this whole thing, go check out Mercola.com. That's M-E-R-C-O-L-A.com. Check out some of the articles there because for months, for months, this site has been one of the only sites that I could find that were even publishing anything close to like what may actually have happened. And you'll see all the little fucking politics and conspiracies and it's crazy, guys. Go check it out. There's so many good articles there. And now this doctor is being threatened with uh, losing his license. So back on May 11th, I posted this story that's just fucking insane. A 14-year-old boy was charged in the murder of 13-year-old Tristan Bailey. And this little fucking brat is sitting in the back of, uh, I think, I don't know if it's a sheriff's car or maybe a police department. I don't know. So anyway, he fucking takes a picture of him in the back of this squad car and he writes has anyone seen Tristan lately and I'm just like what the fuck and yeah then they find this little girl's body in the woods um there's not much actually else being said about it I don't think that little punk has even been arraigned yet but it's like blowing up on social media I don't know why maybe because this little kid is such a little asshole what is going on? There's been some crazy shit going down lately. People are fucking pissed. People are insane. Apparently, some 18-year-old black kid just killed this four-year-old little boy. Um, he went in to where this little kid was sleeping, into his crib, and pulled this little kid out of his uh, crib, through the window, brought him out to the street, and apparently killed him. And I keep hearing that, like, mainstream media, CNN... You know, today's show, The View, ABC News, no one's really talking about it. And it's like, are you fucking serious? That's not crazy nationwide news that a little kid got pulled from his crib and killed in the street. So apparently it was four-year-old Cash Gurnan, and he was pulled out of his crib by Darian Brown. They think it was around 5 a.m., but they're not exactly sure. The woman who I guess was a... Uh, supposed to be watching Cash was Cash's dad's girlfriend. Apparently the mom didn't even know where her kids were. It's a total shit show. So I'm still trying to understand exactly everything that happened. I'm sure the police are too. 
sketchy details are coming out. But I'll let you guys know what happens with this case, especially if uh, the normal media sources aren't talking about it. And can we just talk about fucking dumbass sunburn Barry Morphew? How he actually thought he would be able to fucking take his wife's presidential vote and vote for Trump. And he thought no one was going to fucking notice the missing lady is voting. What kind of narcissistic asshole would even come up with something that ridiculous? Barry. That's who. Barry. I told you all along his fucking face says he's up to some bullshit. And I think I was right. I was just watching this other documentary today on the Kelsey Bariff and Patrick Frazee case. I covered it like way days ago, like maybe a year ago when all that shit was going down. But I didn't know half the shit that went down. I watched, it was like some People magazine fucking, (laughs) I don't know, I got the idea of how fucking surprising, right? I'm on bed rest for four weeks. But anyway, they have like a whole documentary on everything that happened in that case. And it's so fucked up. The way he got her alone and to trust him, all fucked up. It's kind of dangerous to be a married woman in Colorado lately. Shannon, Chris Watts, it's all fucked up down there. What is going on? But on to like a different case, one that's coming out of Pennsylvania. It's Wendy Eaton of Media, Pennsylvania. She just like vanished 46 years ago, never to be found. And now cold case cops in Pennsylvania are actually digging up the woods where she was last seen and where I guess scent dogs got a trail on her, but kind of lost it in this one spot. And so they're basically saying they now have information that was the spot she was killed. So let me just kind of give you a background on her. She was last seen three blocks from her house around 3.05 on Saturday afternoon on the day of her disappearance. Apparently, she disappeared while going to a nearby mall to buy a birthday present for her older brother, which was May 17th, 1975. She did so. Her parents were at a nearby country club and her two older siblings were off at college. She was last seen just three blocks away from her family home. The Delaware County District Attorney, Jack Stolsteimer, is just basically agreeing with the sheriffs that they believe there's some kind of evidence on this property they're searching right now. They all are remaining tight-lipped about what they think actually this evidence is or what is actually going on. And they're also not telling who tipped his team off. So they're super tight-lipped and they're probably only talking because they got outed when the media filmed them fucking digging all the shit up. So he basically refused to confirm if investigators are now probing the people who lived in a house close to the wooded area at the time of Wendy's disappearance. He goes on to say, I believe the state police have done a remarkable job of getting this case to the position where we are in right now. He goes on, where we think we can find some physical evidence on that property. So he sounds pretty fucking sure. I mean, I highly doubt they're just going to go fucking dig up somebody's yard and create a scene like this if they don't have some sort of reasonable belief to go do that shit, you know? But yeah, check this out, you guys. 46 years later, and these cops are still looking for her. If you murder someone, it's like, most of the time, these cops are not going to stop until they find your ass. Most of the time. (laughs) I've told you enough stories here where it's fucking just shit show extraordinaire, but most of the times they're going to come for your ass. So it's like we've got a bunch of cases right now that are just kind of sitting there in pending land, like Barry 
and the Tristan Bailey case, and now the one I was just telling you about, Wendy Eaton. So obviously, if I get updates on any of these cases, which I'm sure there will be coming soon, I will let you guys know about it for sure. So moving on, last week, I told you about Carissa Shell again for the fourth time. Carissa has appeared on Vanished in the Valley. So at this point, I'm like racking my brain of what could possibly be done to make any type of change in this, this case. And I'm like, what if we all just call Detective Red, Detective Red's immediate boss, whoever's in charge of the major crimes detectives division, and ask them what they're going to do to make up for the last 10 years of like literal no police work, literal next to no police work being done. And ask them what they need to get it done. Do they need random people out in Turlock? Do they need their help? Do they need people to be questioned? Because if that's what they need, I talk to her family and they would be so willing. I don't know why it's been so hard for me to even set that up with them, for them to try to set it up with the police. It's just been super difficult. And it shouldn't be this difficult when a 16-year-old girl fucking vanishes into thin air. So, what I was thinking, if we all called the Turlock Police Department's public information officer at 209-664-7345 and asked to speak to either Detective Red or the detective in charge of the Major Crimes Division and just ask them what they're going to do about this case. Point out that the people that were with her last weren't questioned. So much stuff could be done, and if they needed help with it, let us know. If they want to get in touch with certain family members, let us know. Fucking trying to solve it on your own, guys, hasn't been working for 10 years, and I'm not trying to be a dick. Right? I just want to get this shit solved. So, yeah, that's my bright idea. There, I have gotten some tips about this case in the last week. Just kind of some background on the players involved and kind of a clear scene of what was going on at that time in Turlock, in Carissa's life, and these houses she frequented. But I wonder if the police know. The police didn't even know her and Corey Kaufman had a quote-unquote thing-not-thing, whatever the fuck it was. That Detective Red was shocked about that. So, just imagine the information they could actually get if they interviewed family members or whoever. Let's get this shit solved. Let's figure out, let's bring justice to Carissa. Before I run out of here, I'm going to quickly tell you about a 15-year-old girl who was actually a 15-year-old mom. And she went missing one day in 1995 from Bald Knob, Arkansas. Now, looking at the story now, looking back, of course, it's super easy to criticize the police, but... They fucking, I, I'll just tell you the story and you, you decide. So Robin Farnsworth, his 15 year old mom, she left her home in January and was never seen again. Kenyatta Haynes was also a teen in Bald Knob. She went missing in 1995, actually really closely around the same time that Robin went missing. And that's coming from Heather Meadows, White County Sheriff's Office investigator. The two girls went to the same school. They lived in the same town, but they're super different. One's like the cheerleader fucking golden girl, and the other one's a 15-year-old mom runaway. So you see how these uh, cases are probably going to get treated a little differently. So check this out. During this time, most of the attention kind of shifted to Kenyatta's disappearance. 
away from Robbins. No one, I guess, fucking cared about the 15-year-old mom. But the whole town was fucking shook to its core that the cheerleader just went missing. I would be shook that two fucking girls that young are vanishing in the same town around the same time. I don't know. Apparently in the 90s, no one thought serial killers could happen to them. And they were literally happening everywhere. But anyway, the investigation didn't take long from there. Kenyatta was soon found beaten, bound, and murdered. But Robin was still nowhere to be found. Two other teenagers were actually charged in Kenyatta's murder, and they were sentenced to life in prison. While they were there, one of the guys, Donnie Temple, gave a statement. It was a shocking statement to a jailer. Temple gave a very detailed information account of Robin's potential homicide. According to Meadows, Temple told a jailer that Grubb took him to see Robin's beaten body, which was allegedly covered with newspaper. That led detectives to a barn way the fuck out in the country. Detectives found a large area with evidence of decomposition in the dirt with a purple fingernail. No body. So apparently at that time it was still no body, no crime. I'm washing my fucking hands at this. But check this out. Two years later in 1997... This is two years after Robin disappeared. A hunter found human remains in the same area. At that time, the remains were thought to be a different girl missing from a different county. Apparently, girls go missing a lot in this fucking area of the country. Unfortunately, those remains were never tested to see if they were Robin. Detective Meadows doesn't know why. So years later, the FBI comes in and is trying to mop up this fucking shit show. And in 2004, they confirmed it was Robin Farnsworth remains. So there's just somebody out there, some fucking murderer. He's murdered at least three young girls and he's being hunted. They haven't given up, obviously, but damn, they have little evidence to work with at this point. But Meadows is saying she was refusing to give up on Robin's unsolved homicide. She says, we're grasping at straws, trying to find that last bit of evidence that we need to bring this family justice. Detective Meadows believes someone living in Bald Knob knows what happens to Robin. Hmm, do we have anybody in that area in Arkansas? Do you fucking know what happened to Robin? Hmm, you know, you can send me an email at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or go to the Instagram and search vanishedinthevalleyathena. Let me know, because this case is getting pretty fucking old, and it's about time somebody pays up. You can also contact the White County Sheriff's Office at 501-279-6279. Fucking call someone. It's about time this case gets solved. Over 20 years. Come on now. All right, guys. We are cutting it a little short this week because, A, I'm convinced this fucking skeletal contraption I've made to record and edit all this is about to fail at any minute. And B, I'm all fucked up with this foot situation. So I didn't prepare in case you didn't notice. So thank you everyone for listening. Send me a line. Say what's up. But as I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.